A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. This COVID-19 thing has kicked in. I'm Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. That's the way we operate in farm country. We use a lot of binder twine and bailing wire over the years to make things happen. Well, in the ethanol industry, I understand, Pam, they're doing the same kind of thing, but on a little higher technology scale and level than bailing wire. Yeah, you bet, Scott. Fabulous farm bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. It's a story that they've actually been working on for more than two weeks now. Uh, you probably can figure out that the alcohol produced in the ethanol process is something that could come in valuable when it comes to sanitation. With COVID-19 uh, putting a rush on as far as everybody looking for hand sanitizers, ethanol industry leaders wanted to start converting some of their ethanol into that hand sanitizer. But the Food and Drug Administration got in the way. Their rules or regulations prohibited ethanol producers from making that valuable hand sanitizer. Until this last weekend, Eric Hushett is the CEO and general manager of Badger State Ethanol in Monroe, also the president of Wisconsin's Biofuels Association. Saturday, they got the good news that FDA had revised their guidance and given them permitting instructions to go forward with producing hand sanitizer. They're already doing it. Hushite gave me, gave me an update. Badger State Ethanol, as well as the leadership in the Renewable Fuels Association, American Coalition for Methanol, all of the ethanol group has been on this for over two weeks now, Pam. And, and I'm really, really happy to report, and, and, and you've been just Johnny on the spot with getting this addressed, um, the, the guidance that we have been given this weekend finally broke this loose. And so um, thanks to your article that you put out there, I've been on the phone all day, probably 75 different um, uh, point of contact on demand of needing to get this alcohol blend so that we can make hand sanitizer. So finally, the good news is it appears we've broken through. It appears the FDA understands all of the issues behind it, came up with an, um, an acceptable path forward, and um, we've been able now to source the denaturant needed to make this happen. So Everything has fallen into place so that we can get this out in the industry. And, and Pam, you know, it's funny, you and I have had conversations before, nothing's ever as easy. Now, now we're challenged with trying to find containers to put it in because there's been a rush on containers for all different reasons. And um, what's, what's amazing is you probably won't find many gallon jugs or pale five-gallon buckets in Monroe anymore because um, we've been having to get our hands on what do we put the sanitizer in to get it out to people that need it. But what a wonderful challenge to be able to try to tackle. That's excellent. Eric Hushite, along with us from Badger State Ethanol and Biofuels Association. Explain for people, we were talking volume, Eric. Uh, we see a lot of good-natured distilleries and different aspects uh, trying to do their part. But if ethanol, if your plant, just use Badger ethanol as an example, what kind of volumes can you produce if you get everything pulled together? I love your question. Um, so it's interesting, and that was always in the back of my mind, is why go with, you know, onesie twosies when all you have to do is get a couple ethanol plants involved, and this problem should go away. Um, Pam, at Badger State Ethanol, we make 150,000 gallons of ethanol a day, each and every day. Um, 
and, and I won't name names, but one of the customers we were talking with today is one of the bigger uh, corner store pharmacies that you're going to find in any community across the United States. And um, one of our day's production alone could probably service them for the next uh, four months of orders. So, you know, there's need out there. Um, the need is urgent. That's why we want to get involved. Um, and we're committed to do this at cost. I mean, we're sure not doing this as a profit center. We just want to help people help get this problem of not having hand sanitizer for the people that are on the front lines taken care of. So, you know, the volume is minuscule in regards to what the fuel ethanol industry can make. And that's a good thing, the fact that hopefully now that we have the FDA's support and uh, we have this plan put in motion, hopefully we can start flooding the, industry, the entire industry with, um, with some alcohol supply that we can start getting hand sanitizer made. And everybody I talked to today, even of the bigger channels, it seems like the, the bottleneck is going to be that's great, but it takes us a long time to get it into, um, you know, 16-ounce containers with with um, with the right um, dispenser on top. And they said there's none of those to be had, and there's back orders on that. So, like it, everything, it's a big supply chain. But at least the supply of ethanol is, uh, I think, going to be corrected in in really short order. No, let me ask you for people that say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't know if I want hand sanitizer from an ethanol plant. Quality-wise, it's no different than what's on the shelves right now, correct? Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's, that's yes, to answer your point, that is absolutely correct. Um, the FDA would not allow it if it wasn't. A lot of the big hang-up, and you can imagine big business, uh, Pam, there's a $27 a gallon tax on any ethanol that leaves an ethanol plant that would go into fuel, I mean into consumption of uh, liquid consumption. So the big concern of Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms is are we making sure we're getting our taxes on all this um, other type alcohol that could come in some of these different non-fuel channels? So there's, there's all of these kind of things, and I know why they put those regulations in, in place, and the taxes are very, very important to fund all the important things that they need. But there's all those kind of barriers that you have to break down, and that's probably why it took two weeks to get, get everything headed in the right direction. Well, and it also speaks to consumers that might be frustrated at empty shelves when they go shopping, what the, the backstory is on why that's happening. So let's, yeah, talk, fair point. let's talk a little bit. We mentioned before, Eric, while this is uplifting news, and I'm so happy to report it, it is not, it's not the, the silver bullet. It's not the, the item necessarily that's going to save our ethanol industry from the financial challenges you guys have been facing for two years. No, and that's right, Pam, and, uh, and, and, and I appreciate you putting it in perspective of I'm glad you reported on the importance of the positive that's coming out of getting this alcohol sanitizer into, into these channels where hopefully we can help the medical field and the frontline EMS and police and the firemen because if we put it into perspective, all of the problems that we have in a financial matter are insignificant to the challenges that people on the front lines of fighting this disease are facing every day. So I, I don't, I, I want to be really careful about not sounding like a poor me, right? When, when we as an ethanol industry or we as a production agriculture industry, when we talk about our financial problems, we need to keep in perspective they should fall a distant second to the immediate need of taking care of people's health because if we all have our health sick from now, the financial stuff will work its way out. But to your point, Pam, ethanol is in, in a really big mess right now. Um, we have got uh, the, the world fighting between Russia and Saudi Arabia on energy prices. 
that decimated the, the, the price of crude and gasoline. Then on top of that, you have estimates of 40 to 50% shut-in on demand right now because the world is in quarantine or lockdown, so much of it, where what this spells is an absolute disaster, Pam. We have uh, gas stations in Platteville and Monroe and the smart stations. And so um, I was able to source gasoline at the rack for 35 cents a gallon earlier last week. And when you're talking, I mean, it's even almost uncomprehendable. You're talking about 30, 40 cent gasoline. And so ethanol has to compete with that into the liquid fuel sector. And that has led to significant losses right now. I mean, I can't imagine there's a single plant that isn't running deep, deep, deep in the red if they're running. And there's been significant announcements. Um, there's estimates of 20, if not 30% of the industry is already shut down with, with a lot more of it following. Um, and that's going to really, really cause more trouble. And I always say ethanol is agriculture, but Pam, it's going to really cause trouble to our brethren in the corn production, as well as those that are feeding DDGs, because um, the corn basis is going to crash. Um, it already has. There's very few ethanol plants even bidding for corn anywhere across the United States right now because of the shutdowns. And then DDG prices are running through the roof. I checked, just checked this morning in advance of the call, Pam, and DDG prices are up some $30 a ton from last week just due to shortage of supply. And, um, and so, unfortunately, DDG that's been in the ration is going to have a real hard time staying in the ration due to some scarcity in the price increase due to the lack of supply. What about the international side, Eric? I know that we are full up right now as far as ethanol is concerned, but there's also been discussions, conversations that there are other emerging markets around the world that might be looking at our ethanol. What seems to be, is it trade policy or is it just a stigma in some of these countries and how quickly they'll adopt ethanol? Yeah, and, and, and that's a really, really fair question where it's going to take some time to play itself out because unfortunately... The dollar is prices king, right? And um, everybody could have the best of intentions on reducing their carbon footprint, this, that, and the other. When ethanol, for all most of last year, when it was trading at a sixty to eighty cent a gallon discount to gasoline, it's easy for a country to say, you know what, we like green. Well, I, I, I won't mention the fact that it's eighty cents less a gallon than the other stuff, but um, we'd be glad to help you. What's going to be very, very important, Pam, and what we're going to have to see how this plays out is. Will the rest of the world continue to raise their hand and say, I choose cleaner ethanol, um, even though it's at a significant um, premium to this, you know, 36 cent gasoline? And they were talking this morning, there's Canadian crude right now for being offered at $4 a barrel just due to the gluttony of this market with demand destruction. So it's going to have to be seen. It will be a very, very big uphill challenge. Eric Hushite, along with us, he is the general manager, CEO of Badger State Ethanol in Monroe, and he is also the president of Wisconsin Biofuels Association. And now it sounds to me like he is an up-and-comer hand sanitizing production man, too. <laughs> so congratulations on that, Eric. And uh, do you have any idea, I, with notwithstanding the packaging issue, uh, when do you expect uh, the first load of the Badger State Ethanol hand sanitizer to be ready? Well, yeah, and, and it's a fair question, and I really appreciate you putting the number out there so we can we can help people that have the need. Um, and again, um, we're 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 trying to manage all of these uh, dynamics in place, and, and and we appreciate everybody's patience. We've already got some out the door. Um, 
local health care providers, um, our local EMS, uh, local police stations from another communities got a hold of us already this morning. We already have some out the door. So we're making it as we speak, Pam. We'll be making a lot more of it all week, and um, we, we hope to make the supply of alcohol for hand sanitizer be a non-story by next week. And that would be wonderful. Thank you, Eric. Eric Hushett, he is the general manager and CEO of Badger State Ethanol in Monroe, also current president of Wisconsin's Biofuels Association. Ethanol plants now turning their attention to making hand sanitizer. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's bull sale is going online. Bids will be starting at 11 a.m. Saturday, April 4th. You can view the bulls now at the UW Platteville Farm through April 3rd. You can bid online at dvauction.com starting at 11 a.m. April 4th. You can also phone your bids in during the sale, 800-297-5747. For more information, go to wisconsinbeef.com, call 800-297-5747, or go to dvauction.com to see the full sale catalog. As our community deals with the current situation, Midwest Family Madison is committed to keeping you informed. Here's a few updates that we've received from local businesses and service providers. All three Ian's Pizzas are open on Francis Street, State Street, and the Garver Feed Mill for whole pie slices and salads for delivery and pickup. Go to ianspizza.com. Parthenon Euros with a full menu for takeout, curbside pickup, and delivery. Prep at home Euro meal kits available with all profits donated back to the Parthenon Euros Employee Relief Fund. ParthenonEuros.com. Yola's Cafe on the west side by the Princeton Club has carry-out and curbside pickup, plus new heat-and-serve family meals. Yola'sCafe.com. If you have an update to add, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com, leave a message, and we'll get the word out. The best way to prevent the spread of disease is to avoid being exposed in the first place. If you have to sneeze or cough, do it into your elbow and make it less likely for your germs to be transferred to others. For more information about coronavirus and how our community is responding, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. Air conditioner overheated? Whether it's a quick fix or time for something new, you need a dealer who knows what it takes to keep things cool. And a Bryant dealer does whatever it takes. It takes attention to detail, the right tools, and friendly, knowledgeable service. Bottom line, it takes a Bryant dealer to keep your family cool. Call Faro Heating and Cooling in Wanakee or Heating and Cooling Incorporated in Madison. They'll do whatever it takes. Bryant, whatever it takes. If Old McDonald was real and actually had a farm, she'd talk about it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Here we are now at 520 on a Wednesday morning, and it's a little cooler out there than I expected. It's too much egg meteorologist along with us. He was just scolding me because I said I wore uh, short sleeves today, just kind of expecting it to be warmer. Yeah, I guess I should have paid attention more to the numbers that you kicked out there, Stu, but I think my mind mentally is jumping ahead to that warmer weather that we're supposed to have by the end of the week. Well, yeah, it'll happen by the end of the week, but it's going to come with rainfall, too. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, it's now April 1st. So now all of a sudden our mental clock really starts to engage. Are we still talking measurable rain coming in starting on Friday, Stu? It will be measuring up at this point. You know, I'm looking at this thing a couple of tenths of an inch, you know, a quarter inch, maybe up to a half and a couple of spots. Doesn't sound like a lot, but 
we have to keep in mind, of course, it's very, very wet out there. And you look at flood warnings along the Mississippi, along the Wisconsin, down along the Rock from Janesville and further south. All those river areas with excessive moisture standing right now. And even another tenth of an inch really brings about that flood potential, especially around the rivers and in the low-lying areas, the, the tributaries, the streams feeding in. That's something we'll watch at the end of the week and into this weekend because it is going to become more wet as we start to wrap this one up. There's low pressure trying to build in from the west. The really slow-moving large upper system out to the west that's been providing rain and the like. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and building in from the west into the western Dakotas this morning. There's rain, and it could even be moderate rain in south-central Minnesota, right along that uh, Minnesota River in the southwest part of the state. There's a little band of some showers this morning. That's not imminent. It's not going to push right into Wisconsin today, but I expect more likely at La Crosse and Mauston. Some rain chance a bit later Thursday or into Thursday night. The rest of us fall into line late Thursday night or into the day Friday with uh, the more likelihood of rain and measurable rain coming around by later Friday and into Friday night and staying wet with rain on into Saturday. Boy, I wish I had better news. At least the temperatures are going to become more mild. We're not going to talk about snow or anything like that, if you consider that a high point. I'll have forecast details right after this. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual Insurance is rewarding their farm policyholders for their loyalty and commitment to Wisconsin agriculture through their farm dividend program. The farm dividend pays up to 5% back on your farm premium. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how you could qualify. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, lay it on the line. What do we got coming? Well, much like yesterday, the west will be sunnier, the east will be cloudier, but let's call it partly sunny across the board. Temps around 50 for a lot of us could be mid-50s at La Crosse. Southeast winds develop at about 5. Overnight, mostly cloudy. Mid-30s, upper 30s in the west with the southeast winds at 5. Mostly cloudy Thursday. La Crosse, Boston could have a little rain late in the day. A lot of us closer to 60 then. Southeast winds at 5 to 10. More likely we see a few showers later Thursday night into the day Friday. Uh, mostly cloudy skies. Scattered showers Friday, Pam. Low 60s almost everywhere. Southeast winds 5 to 10. A tenth of an inch or two Friday, Friday night. And we'll add a little more in the gauge yet as even as we head into Saturday. But the temperatures do stay more mild like you're hoping for as we head to next week. Next week going to be any drier? No, it starts out, you know, even Sunday, Monday, that scattered shower chance on and off. We're right, just, just not drying. Just, just stop. Just stop. All right. Go away now. <laughs> All right, Stu. Thanks, man. We'll catch you tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see you. Stu Makar, Ag Meteorologist with the weather details you do or don't want to know.
Around the state, like I said, it may be a little cooler than I expected. How about you? La Crosse, you've got clear skies, 30 degrees. Mauston, clear and 30 degrees. Fond du Lac, partly cloudy, 37. You're the warm spot. Beaver Dam, partly cloudy and 36. Madison also, partly cloudy at the airport, 36 degrees. Coming up after 5.30, a Wisconsin state representative doesn't want his pleas for help for Wisconsin agriculture to end at the state borders. Stick around. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Welcome to Middleton Farmers Cooperative, powered locally since 1928. Your cooperative, serving the surrounding community with two Synex convenience stores, Do It Best Hardware Center, Feed Mill offering Vita Plus products, Agronomy Center, and Blue Dolphin Car Washes. Become a member today. No fee memberships. Visit Pleasant View Road, University Avenue, Middleton, or online at middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. No membership fee. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Your cooperative. Stop by the Do It Best Center on Pleasant View Road during April, where diamond solar salt and salt pellets for your softener are buy five and get one free. Buy five, get one free. Stock up now and check out your local Do It Best Center. Be our neighbor. No membership fee. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative. Your cooperative. As our community deals with the current situation, Midwest Family Madison is committed to keeping you informed. Here's a few updates that we've received from local businesses and service providers. Domins at Hawks Landing now has pickup, drive-up, and delivery from 11 till 9. Call in any time and they'll have your order ready. Domins at Hawks.com. Pizza Pit Extreme, Athens Zero's downtown on Monroe Street, is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, weekends 11 to 11, for delivery or carryout. PizzaExtremes.com. Scooter's Cafe on University Avenue in Middleton has their drive-thru open and full menu is available. Go to ScootersCoffee.com for the details. If you have an update to add, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com, leave a message, and we'll get the word out. The best way to prevent the spread of disease is to avoid being exposed in the first place. Practice social distancing. Stay six feet away from others and away from gatherings of 10 or more. For more information about coronavirus and how our community is responding, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Wisconsin's number one farm insurer can protect your dairy operation from unexpected declines in revenue from milk sales. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more or talk to your local agent about how dairy revenue protection can fit into your risk management plan. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. You've been a do-it-yourselfer your entire life. It's going to be one heck of a party someday. It's your life celebration party, and you should be the general contractor. This is Matt Gunderson. At Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, we've been helping plan out life celebrations for nearly 100 years, and it costs nothing to prearrange. Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, your hometown life celebration center. 
Now that you're spending more time indoors, it's time to think about indoor air quality. Personally, I don't think spring cleaning is all that meaningful unless you live somewhere like Wisconsin, where you've been pumping the same stale air around the house all winter, and people wonder why they keep getting sick. With the piles of dust and mites and bacteria building and growing inside air ducts, believe me, it's gross. The answer? Dirty Ducks Cleaning. Clean and healthy air, breath after fresh spring breath. Go to DirtyDucksCleaning.com. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses, wild violets and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. I'm looking at your Twitter account right now. I love this mock draft Monday. Run this card. What, in your opinion, is the Packers' biggest needs to address with their 30th pick? Well, I, I think if you look at the order of operations here, my, my thing is always, uh, you know, best player available is a myth. So what they, what they, the approach is really the most impactful player for your roster and your circumstances. So things like need uh, necessarily come into play. And for the Packers, the most impactful player, if we're assuming similar player quality, it's receiver, it's offensive tackle, and it's probably linebacker, though. I don't know that they're going to view it that way. I think what, what Blake Martinez said in his interview yesterday with the New York media is, is pretty telling. The Packers just don't yeah. value that position very much. So I, I, think, I think defensive line maybe sneaks into the mix there, but I think there's going to be a receiver or, or an offensive tackle who catches their eye with the 30th pick, or, or they trade down and, and still get a player like that, depending on the circumstances. So in, in your humble opinion, is it like who is a must when it comes to – so for me, like the Packers haven't drafted a skill position in the first round. I think it was like Javon Walker. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking at like let's buck the trend a little bit and maybe go for a wide receiver, but I know it's a very deep class and you could get someone you know, probably pretty good in the second round, but is there a wide receiver maybe first or second that you're kind of eyeing for the green and gold? Yeah, let me give you my not-so-humble opinion. Um, the, uh, the, the draft class is uh, a deep class in theory, but I, I think there is a pretty big drop-off, uh, around 50, that goes from players who can, can reasonably be either your primary target or a high-level secondary target, and it goes into players who are straight-up secondary and tertiary pieces. So... I think if the Packers want to add a pass catcher in this draft who they think can be a big-time impact player, it, it almost has to come in the first. Or if, it, if not the first, a trade down into the high second. It's got to be their first pick. Otherwise, you're, you're basically saying we're content getting uh, a guy who can only ever be a secondary piece. For me, the two players that I've really zeroed in on that I think would be ideal fits, and I'm not sure either are going to be there, but if they are, that's when you, that's when you really run the card in. 
are uh, Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston. He just doesn't lose pass block reps. Just straight up does not lose them. Um, hasn't given up a sack in two years at Houston, and even against the, the Power 5 competition, that was true. And then the other guy is Justin Jefferson, the receiver from LSU. He's 20 years old. He was, by the end of the season, even with Jamar Chase, who was named the receiver of the year in college football, Justin Jefferson became the alpha of that passing game. He ran 4-4 at the combine, can play in the slot. I think he's ideally suited to play in the slot for the Packers. I think he, he can be someone like Robert Woods plus, um, I've seen the, the comparison to Juju Smith-Schuster. He, he can be the sort of ultimate complementary weapon, a guy who can get you 1,000 yards, who can run those jet sweeps, and, and can pick up eight on third and six when you need him to just go get open. Um, I, I compare it to basketball. I think the Packers need a player who can just get them buckets. <laughs> so it, it doesn't matter how they do it. Just, just be able to go get buckets. Just off, you know, off, George you think, Hill comes off the bench for the Bucks and just gets buckets. Yeah. Now he can he can do other stuff, but what they need is a, just a little bit of scoring. It can be Jamal Crawford, and that's all you can do. That's fine. I, I like the idea of getting a guy that can get buckets if he's young, not like a. Did you know that Jimmy Graham played basketball? <laughs> not like a Jimmy Graham kind of guy, <laughs> like an old aging guy. You know, um, you alluded to it. Um, I want to get your comments on you know Jimmy Graham and and the Packers' mm-hmm. use of him, and also what you alluded to Blake Martinez. But before I do that. I see this on your uh, Twitter account, Peter underscore Bukowski. Uh-oh. This would send Packers Twitter into a frenzy, but I'm here for it. <laughs> With the 30th pick, the Green Bay Packers select quarterback Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. So my position on the Packers succession plan has been that this is not the year for it, right? And so that seems to be at odds with that tweet, clearly. Mm-hmm. But I think Justin Herbert is the kind of talent that you say he's too good to pass on. Not, you, don't, you don't pass on other guys for any quarterback. It has to be a certain level of quarterback. The Packers took Aaron Rodgers not because he just happened to fall to them and, and they did it for fun. No, he was considered, you know, by some teams, the best quarterback in that draft. And, you know, there's a, a, one of the scouts that used to work in the Browns front office, who I work with now at the Locked On Podcast Network, he said, you know, we, were, we, were, we had Aaron Rodgers ahead of Alex Smith, and Alex Smith went number one. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 535 now on the first day of April. Happy April Fool's Day. Of course, we talked earlier about uh, that great April Fool's hoax back in 1957 when the BBC broadcast the Spaghetti Tree Harvest. That was a good one. On this date back in 1976, Apple Incorporated was founded. On this date in 1970, the Milwaukee Brewers were founded. And yeah, now you know. I'm Pam Yonke. Now... From the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. Well, one of our Wisconsin state representatives does not want to stop at the state borders when it comes to making his plea on behalf of Wisconsin's dairy farmers, but all of agriculture. State Representative Travis Trattle is a Republican from Cuba City who's got strong connections to production agriculture, and he said we cannot just stop at the state borders when it comes to asking for assistance for our state's dairy farmers. 
We need to continue to follow the guidelines and flatten the curve, but we also have to start dealing with some of the economic fallout from COVID-19. Agriculture obviously just getting plummeted. $12 milk futures, two-something corn they're talking. I wrote a letter today encouraging the president and the secretary of the USDA. Any programs they come up with moving forward need to be reflective of actual production. They cannot base their programs off of 2011 to 2013 numbers like they have in the past. They do that with no other industry. Agriculture should be no different. Uh, our farmers need help. They've been there for us. We need to be there for them. That's Wisconsin State Representative Travis Trannell from Cuba City. He is sending his plea to all of our elected officials representing Wisconsin in both Congress and the Senate, also sending his plea to the U.S. Department of Agriculture as well as the desk of the president. Well, talking more about dairy news, yesterday Dean Foods announced that Dairy Farmers of America had the winning bid to acquire a substantial portion of Dean Foods' business operations. They say they ran a competitive auction process and were happy with the agreements. The two previously reached an agreement back in February before withdrawing the plan in light of what was going on with COVID-19. Dairy Farmers of America will acquire the assets, rights, interest, and properties related to 44 of Dean Foods' fluid and frozen facilities, about $433 million. So they are moving forward on that. As we move forward this Wednesday morning, up next, talking with Carrie Retallick from the Wisconsin Pork Association, COVID-19 has changed consumers' buying patterns, and what was a very popular pork cut is finding itself... Still on the shelf. Details up next. Compeer Financial has always been there for our clients and communities in any situation. And our support continues today as our clients work relentlessly to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. Compeer is proud to continue our strong commitment to our clients, the rural communities where they live, and to agriculture. Whether it's providing financial services to our local farmers or responding to the funding needs of our community partners, we're here to help meet the financial needs of rural America. And our experienced financial team is just a phone call or email away, ready to guide you every step of the way. To learn more about our offerings, like long-term fixed rates that can help mitigate risk and improve cash flow, give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compeer.com today and we'll navigate through this together. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Loan subject to approval guidelines. Not all borrowers will qualify. Restrictions may apply. This is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. We've seen a lot of food products fly off the grocery store shelf, but there's one pork product that's not moving quite so quickly. Carrie Retallick, executive director of the Wisconsin Pork Association, says because restaurants are closed, bacon demand has slumped. Food service used uh, a lot of bacon. And so without having those restaurants using bacon on a regular basis, that definitely is something that packers are looking at and what they can do to, you know, how, how hard are they, how hard is everyone going to be working to push out bacon out there and what will that price point be? But I think what we're looking at right now is, you know, what the facilities will do in the future, how this will change overall. That's Carrie Retallick with the Wisconsin Pork Association. Yesterday, USDA came out with their prospective plantings report, and they believe that farmers are going to plant 8% more corn acres this year 
10% more soybean acres. And remember, that's at a time when states like North Dakota, South Dakota are announcing they're they're seeing record harvest right now, trying to get that uh, corn and soybean crop harvested from last year. Markets are lower again in overnight electronic trade. Right now, December corn's down three at 354. November beans are down seven at 870. July wheat down almost four cents at 558. Dairy took another pounding yesterday in Chicago. Barrel cheese dropped nine and a half cents to 120 and a half. 40 pound block cheese down 10 and three quarter cents at 133. The double A butter down six and a quarter at 133 and a half. Now in overnight electronic trade right now, We've got the May milk unchanged at twelve seventy four a hundred weight. June is down uh, up for right now at thirteen ten. July milk up eighteen at fourteen dollars a hundred weight. Coming up next, life has changed for everybody when it comes to COVID nineteen. But if you're on the UW Madison campus, the cows are gone. They're giving up their research supplies for healthcare, and the students grapple with trying to learn long distance. We've got a story on how one dairy science major is dealing with that next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. As our community deals with the current situation, Midwest Family Madison is committed to keeping you informed. Here's a few updates that we've received from local businesses and service providers. The Country Cafe on Emerald Trail in Sun Prairie is open for lunch and dinner with curbside pickup and family meal specials and delivery through Eat Street. Check out updates on Facebook. Botham Vineyards and Winery are open from 10 to 5 on weekends. Order ahead and drive through the lovely vineyard to collect your wine. Find more at bothamvineyards.com. Midtown Pub on Allen Boulevard has a full menu with specials and curbside pickup, plus free delivery to healthcare workers and the elderly. Go to midtownpub.com. If you have an update to add, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com, leave a message, and we'll get the word out. The best way to prevent the spread of disease is to avoid being exposed in the first place. Wash your hands with soap and water, often and for at least 20 seconds at a time. For more information about coronavirus and how our community is responding, go to MidwestFamilyMadison.com. Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's bull sale is going online. Bids will be starting at 11 a.m. Saturday, April 4th. You can view the bulls now at the UW Platteville Farm through April 3rd. You can bid online at dvauction.com starting at 11 a.m. April 4th. You can also phone your bids in during the sale, 800-297-5747. For more information, go to wisconsinbeef.com, call 800-297-5747, or go to dvauction.com to see the full sale catalog. You don't turn your back on friends and family, and McFarland's is not turning its back on its community. They are open, practicing good Centers for Disease Control standards internally to protect their staff as well as their customers. They're there whether you need disinfectants, animal feed, or something for the farm, all under one roof. And remember, for customers within a 10-mile radius of the store, they're able to offer free delivery for the current time until the crisis subsides. McFarland's, always there for their community. Compere Financial has always been there for our clients and communities in any situation. And our support continues today as our clients work relentlessly to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. Compere is proud to continue our strong commitment to our clients, the rural communities where they live, and to agriculture. Whether it's providing financial services to our local farmers or responding to the funding needs of our community partners, we're here to help meet the financial needs of rural America. And our experienced financial team is just a phone call or email away, ready to guide you every step of the way. 
To learn more about our offerings, like long-term fixed rates that can help mitigate risk and improve cash flow, give us a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compeer.com today and we'll navigate through this together. Compeer Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Loan subject to approval guidelines. Not all borrowers will qualify. Restrictions may apply. This is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. If there was an award for the best farmer's tan, she'd be sure to win it. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be joined by our folks from Rice Dairy down in Chicago and Commodity Risk Management Group down in Platteville. Another look at the prospective planting report from yesterday. And, of course, constant focus at the deterioration on what's happening in the dairy markets. That's coming up tomorrow right here. You know, we talked earlier about how uh, 17 different departments on the UW College of Ag and Life Sciences campus in Madison gathered up all their supplies, their stockpiles of research-related protective equipment, donated it to uh, healthcare workers. We talked also about how Friday they uh, closed down the Dairy Center on the UW-Madison campus. It all has to do with the lack of students and the fact that educational life today is very different than it was just a month ago, Josh Scramlin joins us this morning with a story about how one UW-Madison graduating senior's got anxiety, not only when it comes to her future in the dairy industry, but also when it comes to the quality of education she's getting today. Josh? There are just so many ripple effects from the COVID-19 crisis in agriculture, outside of agriculture, and certainly in education. I'm speaking with Micah Dato to get a little more info on the ripple effects that a student at UW-Madison might see from all of this. Micah, what is your major and what's your focus at school? I am a senior at UW-Madison. I'm working on my double major in dairy science and life sciences communications. I had an interesting college career being a state officer and then a national officer candidate, but these past two years I've been back on campus doing that normal college student life and trying to make the most of it until all this situation happened with our university. As a college senior, how has the COVID-19 crisis affected your day-to-day? So this past week was our spring break, so really not much was affected in that aspect, but I was actually at a national FFA job training the week prior, and so I really didn't see what was happening at UW-Madison until I got a text saying that schools were going to be closed until April 10th, and so then I was like, okay, like this is weird, but I wasn't on campus to see it all happen, and so I'm watching this unfold through National FFA, but then on the university side, through text and emails. And so everything was just falling apart. And I was trying to call to make arrangements for how to get back home. And then I was trying to figure out how am I going to do all these classes online while figuring out with National FFA, how are we going to work with state FFAs to get conventions done and everything. So it was just a big old crisis that we had to deal with right on the spot. And so now it has died down a little bit because everybody is just staying at home. And my online classes started yesterday. And every the weird part is that every professor is doing it differently. 
And so one of my classes, we meet at our regularly scheduled time online, and we have our lecture, and we also have a lab for this class. And so we're meeting online for our lab as well during the regularly scheduled time. But other professors have pre-recorded lectures and are posting them online. And so it's really the most difficult part is trying to figure out what your class is doing and how they're doing it and when you need to get all of your assignments and lectures done. I'm on the phone right now with Micah Dato. She is a college senior at UW-Madison studying at the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. Micah, I'm sure that now that classes are online, you're not necessarily getting the same learning experience that you would in ag classes as you would in person, right? Oh, absolutely not. All Even all of, all of our classes are different now that they're online. We can't have in-person labs, and it's it's really tough to teach someone a hands-on discipline such as dairy science online because we're not able to do what we're normally doing. And one interesting class that my roommate is in, Emily, is meat science. And so she was supposed to learn different types and cuts of meat, and she physically is supposed to do it. And now she has to do all of that online. And it's just difficult for both the professors and for us as students to try to learn all of this very hands-on information on the computer. Right. And then another question that I have is, depending on where people are at in the state, I don't know if you have seen this or if you've talked to any of your roommates or your friends that have been dealing with this, but rural broadband, not everybody has the broadband to access the classes. Are you hearing of anybody that's having those issues? Actually, I had my first online class that met at the time we're supposed to meet at, and there is a student on there that... She does have internet, but is not good at all. And so she was asking if the professor could post the recorded lectures online. And that is possible to post the recorded lectures, but it's also really hard because none of the public libraries are open either. So if students don't have Wi-Fi, they're not even able to go to the public library. And I know at Madison, at our home in Madison, uh, we use Spectrum, and Spectrum actually is offered free Wi-Fi for 60 days for students, but that still doesn't reach all students. And I think that's something that UW-Madison, as well as other uni- universities, need to consider is how can we be inclusive of all students, because even though we're online, some students don't have access to that. And I saw it yesterday with one of our students there, and fortunately, she is able to watch recorded lectures But then we lose out on that interaction between the professor to ask questions during the lecture or to discuss with other students during the lecture. And I just think that's something that needs to be brought into perspective a little bit more as students with all universities. What would be some of the worries that you have or some of the ripple effects that maybe we haven't talked about yet? I believe through what I have seen, I have two different internships on campus, and one of them is working with the dairy science department. And every year we hold a golf outing that raises funds for scholarships and hands-on student activities such as dairy judging and dairy challenge. However, this year we most likely will not be able to host this, and so that's going to decrease the funds for our department to provide scholarships for students. So this is impacting future generations of students because we're not able to hold these events to raise funds. And so that's just one thing that I have witnessed firsthand, and I know it's going to impact future students. But another ripple effect that I have seen is other students' ability to work on campus. 
a lot of students have jobs in labs, have jobs at restaurants, and now we're not able to go to work or to make money. And tuition all of a sudden wasn't canceled. We still have to pay for tuition. We still have to pay for rent. And now without an income, that is going to drastically change some students' ability to complete schooling. And luckily, I'm fortunate to be graduating in May, but that there again is another ripple effect. I don't get to celebrate my graduation with my friends because our commencement was postponed. And because I'm going to graduate school, I might not be able to come back to Wisconsin to be able to attend our commencement. So basically, all of these ripple effects are future events that now don't get to happen. And a lot of economics goes into these ripple effects as well. Yes, your master's degree. That's what I wanted to get to. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you're continuing your education at Texas A&M down in College Station. Uh, What do you know about what's going on with that? Have you kind of been kept in the dark or are you hearing things from them? All I know of as of right now is I was supposed to schedule my classes and that has not happened yet. And I don't know what this means. I know I am an outside to A&M right now because they're dealing with their own campus right now. But I am interested to see how this impacts what I do in the fall. It's interesting because my master's will be in agricultural leadership, education, and communication. But my emphasis is in international development. So I was supposed to be going to Africa next summer and the following summer. And I'm not sure how this is going to impact my travels and research that I'm supposed to be doing in Africa because international travel right now is not happening, but it's also going to be interesting to see how it impacts travel in the future. And that just leads me to thinking more of all of this research that isn't able to take place because we aren't able to either work or to travel places and For my master's degree, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm kind of in the dark, but I hopefully will be able to get it figured out by the time I need to move there in August. Well, I wish you the best of luck. It seems as though everybody is fighting battles on multiple fronts as we continue to experience the effects of the COVID-19 crisis. Thank you so much, Micah. That was Micah Dato. She is a senior at UW-Madison, where she studies at the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.